Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Yes, it's amazing to be together. Happy Easter or Resurrection Sunday. Resurrection Sunday is a better name for it, but most of us know it as Easter, right? And most of us probably have Easter memories of being children. And thank you, Vaughn. And waking up and having maybe an Easter egg hunt for some boiled eggs with money taped to them. Did anybody do that? I mean, you colored eggs on Saturday and then... We're like, before they invented the eggs that you can open, you know, the, these are really cool now, but those aren't actually eggs, those are plastic, don't know if you know that. But in my day, back in the 20s, we used to actually dye eggs, did anybody ever dye eggs? Is it, okay, praise God, alright, good. So we would dye eggs, and the next day you would eat boiled eggs, right, after you found them. Um, but great memories of celebrating Easter Sunday morning. Usually we got some new clothes, maybe, usually some kind of pastel color, right? And uh, just having ham for lunch, it's a big time, but it's, it's more than that, isn't it? It's more than that. As we celebrate Easter today, we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, we're celebrating what Jesus did. We're celebrating what Jesus Christ did that He came and opened the door to eternity. He opened the door to our own resurrection, a door we could never open. That's what we're celebrating. It's why we're happy. It's why we're excited. Because this is what Jesus has done for us. And it's amazing that He did it for us. It's interesting what people think about this idea of resurrection, though, right? I mean, we look forward to this place called heaven. And if you talk to people on the street and you listen to people talk about what happens when you die or what's next, it's always, well, I'm sure there's, what, a better place. I look forward to going to a better place. Well, what does that mean? And how can you be confident that you're going to a better place? There's a lot of interesting surveys about what Americans believe about the afterlife. And, um, In one study of CBS News in 2014, 82% of the people who believed in heaven also believed they were going. So people who believe there's a heaven, almost all of them think, well, I'm definitely going. Don't know why, but I'm definitely going. 60% say that there's a place where all people will ultimately be reunited with their loved ones. All people. But in that same study, 54% said only the people... Uh, who, who trust in Jesus alone as their Savior will get to go to heaven. So there's kind of a dichotomy there. There's kind of a conflict in that survey. But the most interesting one, I think, is this, the Harvard study from 2006 that says 84% of the people agreed that what? A good person can go to heaven really regardless of their faith. So there's a lot of confusion out there about what it means, what Resurrection Sunday, what what going to heaven is really all about. There's a lot of confusion, a lot of people disagree, but generally people want to feel like, hey, if I die, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. But since we're a a Bible-believing church, 
since we preach from the Word of God, we need to talk about what does the Bible say? What does the Bible really say about eternal life, about going to heaven? Well, if you grew up in any church, you know John 3.16, don't you? Or if you've been to a sporting event, you used to see guys used to put it up there. You know, I'm not sure what the benefit of that is, really, incidentally. But um, John 3.16 says this, For what? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have what? Eternal life. It's the verse we all hang our hat on, isn't it? It's so simple. It's so clear. For God so loved, not because Steve loved, or you loved, or, or Phil loved, or Julie loved, it's because God loved, God gave. And God gave what was most precious to Him. He gave His Son, His only Son, so that whoever believes in Him should not die or perish or rot or be, or be tortured, but that they should have this eternal life. So if you look at that verse and you think, okay, so really the issue is I just need to believe in Jesus. That's all I really need to do. I just need to believe in Jesus. And when we look at that word believe, we say something like this. I believe the historical facts about Jesus. A lot of people will say this. I believe that he was a real person. And there's, incidentally, there's incredible evidence to attest to the fact that Jesus was a real historical person that lived on this earth, that lived and died on this earth, and that even that he was resurrected. And people will say, I believe that's true. And what they mean by that is that I believe that just like you believe that George Washington was the first president, that Abraham Lincoln was the 16th president, that World War I and II actually happened. You believe historical facts. You believe the earth revolves around the sun and the moon around the earth. But those things really don't have an impact on your daily life, right? I mean, if George Washington wasn't the first president, it really wouldn't change the way you live, probably. You might live in a different country. Things might have gone a lot differently. may not have the freedoms you have today. But it's, in terms of how you actually live your life, it really doesn't play much of a role. See, that's not the kind of belief that we're talking about here in John 3.16. When Jesus says that whoever believes, what he means is more the word, what, what the word in Greek means more is the word trust meaning I'm going to take action based on what I believe. It would be more like saying, I believe in the law of gravity, so I'm going to be careful when I'm climbing a ladder. Right? I believe in the law of gravity, so I'm not going to walk off the edge of my roof. Or, South Florida style, I believe in skin cancer, and it's bad, so when I go to the beach, I'm going to put sunscreen on. Or, you know, I, I, I believe, I forgot my last one, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> I believe in something that if I don't, I know what it is, on April the 15th, I believe in the IRS, so I'm going to pay my taxes, right? Belief to have validity has to mean action. And so when I say I believe in Jesus Christ, what I'm saying is I believe in what he taught who he was, and I'm going to live in light of that. It's not just about historical fact. 
It's not just about historical fact. I believe in Jesus. I believe what he taught. And I'm going to live my life in light of that. So then the question is, well, okay, so what do I have to believe about Jesus? What are the facts? What are the simplest things I need to understand about believing in Jesus Christ? What does that look like? Well, you heard this woman, this wife of Cleopas this morning, talking about what it was like to encounter Jesus after he rose from the dead. It's an accurate depiction of the road to Emmaus. And Jesus has to describe and he has to explain to the people who followed him after he rose from the dead what it all meant. What did this mean? What did, my, what did your life mean, Jesus? And you've risen from the dead. What does it mean to us? And Jesus is so faithful to describe this. And he says that, you know, it's, it's I'm who the whole Old Testament predicted, the first 39 books of the Bible. I'm who the Old Testament pointed to. The Old Testament described, the Old Testament prepared people for. I'm I'm him. This is why it says in the Old Testament that I would have to suffer. This is why we have the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four different uh, perspectives on the life of Jesus. And Jesus is describing to them his life and why this is happening, why he had to come, be born of a virgin, live a perfect life, Train his disciples for three years. This is why Jesus allowed himself to be arrested, to endure a mock trial, to be made fun of, to be mocked, to be stripped, to be tortured, to be put on a cross, to bear the physical pain, but even more than that, the spiritual pain of all the sin of the world. And just... For a moment, just imagine that you've been accused of something you didn't do. Or that you've even been convicted of something you didn't do. That that you're bearing the guilt that you didn't deserve. It's probably happened to all of us at one time or another. Jesus did that times infinity. The pain of that on his shoulders as an innocent person. And he is carrying that and bearing that on the cross and allowing himself to be killed though he could come off the cross and he dies he's buried and then he rises from the grave and he's describing to his followers what this means to them what they need to know what they need to proclaim to the world what people need to believe in Luke chapter 24 verse 44 through 47 he describes that he says, he says to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And verse 45 says, And then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. I love that verse. Let me ask you, has Jesus opened your mind? Has Jesus opened your mind? See, I believe he's still in the business of opening today. And today may be a day when he is saying to you, I need for you to open your mind and see me for who I am and respond to me for what I taught and how I lived. Verse 46 says, And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And verse 47 is really the heart of it. And that repentance... For the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, 
beginning with Jerusalem. Let me ask you, does that feel like really good news to you? See, I believe people are either in one or two camps. Either they see that as tremendous news, and that's awesome, and that's incredible, that I can be forgiven of my sin, or people think, you know what, I really don't, I really don't have any sin. That's really not an issue for me. So my prayer is that your mind would be open today. You see, Jesus is saying this. He's saying that the message of his life is that forgiveness of sins is available to all who will earn it? No. Try really hard? No. Be of the right ethnicity? No. Be of the right nation? No. For all who would repent. This was his life's work. This was his life's message. This is what Jesus was all about. That repentance of sins is available to all who... All, forgiveness of sins is available to all who would repent. So the next question is, well, what is repentance? Is it just saying, hey, sorry I got caught. Try not to do that again, but really not that sorry. Just wish I hadn't gotten caught. You see, repentance very simply means to turn around. To turn around. To change the direction you're going by 180 degrees. If you're from this area and you know how to get to the Atlantic Ocean from here, you've got to go which direction on Linton Boulevard? You've got to go east, right? If you go west on Linton Boulevard, what happens? You don't get to the Atlantic Ocean and you come to a dead end. Right? You cannot get to the Atlantic Ocean by going west on Linton. At some point, if you find yourself going west on Linton, you're saying, man, I packed my beach stuff. How do I get to the ocean? What do you have to do? You've got to turn around. That moment of saying, you know what? I'm going the wrong way. I need to turn around. Have you ever fought that? No, surely I'm not going the wrong way. Let's see, I just passed Congress. I just passed military. And now I'm passing jog. Wait a minute. I'm not getting any closer to US-1. This can't be good. Do you just go, hey, I'm just going to keep going anyway. I'm going to keep going until I hit that gated community at the end of Linton that they're not going to let you in, incidentally. Those people are armed out there. I've tried it. I'm thinking, surely I can get there going this way. Or maybe if I keep going, I can just get to the Gulf of Mexico. No, you can't do that either. They won't let you get there. There's got to be a moment of guilt. Of guilt. See, in our culture today, that's the word that you're just not ever able to take on. Because no one is guilty of anything anymore. And people say, if you make me feel guilty, you're a bad person. And you're mean. And you're judgmental. Listen, it's still east to get to the ocean. It's not nice of me to tell you, oh no, keep going west. You'll get there. You'll get there. It'll be fine. Just keep going west. See, the Bible tells us how to get to heaven. It doesn't matter what I think or believe. It's this is how i got to get there. And let me just tell you this. You cannot get to heaven without passing through guilt. You just can't get there. Because in order to repent, I have to recognize I had to turn around. I'm going the wrong way. That's what repentance is. 
And it's a glorious thing because 1 John 1.9 says if we what confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Whatever guilt you're carrying, it can be taken away even today. And some would say, you know what, Steve, but sin isn't really my problem. I'm just, I don't think sin is my issue. I don't think I'm really a sinner. Well, let me just tell you, biblically speaking, if sin isn't the problem, Jesus is not the answer. You see, if sin isn't the problem, Jesus isn't the answer. A lot of people say, well, I like to hear about Jesus. I like to read about Jesus. I think Jesus loves me. I like to sing that song. I feel really good about it. And, but I don't want to ever be guilty, and I don't want to think I have sin." If sin isn't the problem, Jesus has no answer for you. It's really of no benefit to you. So you say, well, I'll humor you, Steve. Let me just take the next step. What does sin, what does that mean? What is sin? Garden of Eden, Genesis 3, what happens? Adam is told, God told him, you can have all the trees and you can have all the stuff you want to eat and there's great stuff to eat all over the place. It's really going to be good. And you just enjoy that, enjoy the whole garden, except there's one tree you can't eat of because if you do that, you're going to die. And what does Adam do? He stands by and watches Eve be deceived by the serpent and she sees the fruit and it's beautiful to see It's going to be delicious to taste, and it's going to make her wise. It's literally going to make her like God, she thinks. And Adam lets all this happen, and then he eats of it as well. You see, what's happened is that humans have decided that their truth supersedes God's truth. That their truth, what they believe, that God's holding us something back from us, that God isn't a good God, that I know more than God, that it'd be better for me to take this fruit than not, and so I'm, I'm going to take it. And suddenly we've stepped ahead of God, and we've put his truth and put it aside. And people have been dying ever since. And that's really the root of all sin. It's trading my truth for God's truth. See, we often choose our truth not based on what's logical or what makes sense, but what we already want truth to be, right? Because of how we feel on the inside, because of how people influence us on the outside, because of what we've really already decided. But it doesn't change the reality of truth. See, the question is, is God's truth the truth I'm going to follow, or am I going to make up my own? truth. You see, in our culture today, in our humanness, what we want to do is say, I can determine truth. I know. We worship the individual. It's all about what I think. Please don't try to impress your beliefs on me because I am the one who gets to decide. Sounds a lot like Adam and Eve, doesn't it? I choose what's true and what's not. But the problem with that, there's a lot of problems. That One of them is that my truth keeps changing. Human truth changes by the season, by depending on who's influencing us, but depending on what matters. We find ourselves not able to find a good foundation. And there's something within us that says there's got to be more. But there's good news. God's truth is reliable and unchanging. 
you can absolutely trust it. See, we long for something more. And we live kind of in this tension of, of my goodness, I, I'm, I'm in charge, but man, there's got to be something beyond me. I've got it figured out, but I feel like there's stuff beyond that I can't quite understand. I, I, I'm in charge, I'm amazing, but really there's got to be something more amazing than me. And there's, we live kind of in that tension, and our culture is made up of that kind of thinking. Sociologist Andrew Dobanko, professor and author and social critic, Columbia University, he said this about our culture. He said, the most striking feature of contemporary culture is the unslaked craving for transcendence. It's this desire that can never be met, that can never be satiated, that, that I've got to find something beyond me. I can never quite find it because I'm so focused on myself. But there's this great desire for something beyond me. We long for something after death. We long for an afterlife, but we really don't know how to get there in truth. And there's this gnawing fear, fear in our heart that am I really going to get there? Do I have any reason to think I'm going to get there? 1 Corinthians 15, 32, Paul addresses this. And he starts asking questions. Well, if you don't think the dead are raised, then this, then why are we suffering? Why would I suffer to, to tell the gospel? Why would I suffer to let people into heaven to help people find Jesus? He says at one point, he said, if the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Let's just party. Let's just have the best time we can have because it's all coming to an end. But that whole section of 1 Corinthians 15 is all about the resurrection and the fact that you'll have what a new body and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth in Revelation 21. There'll be this place that is beyond description that's better than any place you've ever been, better than any vacation you've ever taken, more joyful than any time you've ever had, more meaningful than any family gathering or any gathering of brothers and sisters in Christ you've ever had. It's going to be tremendous. It's going to be so fun, so fulfilling, something not to even imagine being missed. The dead are raised. But it depends on what you do with this life and how you respond to Christ as to what kind of a resurrection that is. You see, you are either living for this life or for the next life, but not both. You're either living for this life or the next life, but you're not living for both. People are living to say, I want to have all the fun I can have. I'm going to get all I can out of this. I don't want to miss anything. The next life, we'll figure that out when we get closer to dying, right? Or you're living for the next life. Or you're living for the next life. And some may say, you know what, I, I believe in karma. I believe that if I do good on this life, that the next life is going to be better and the suffering of this world is designed to prepare me for the next world and so in that case I really don't want to interrupt your suffering incidentally but what a hard way to live especially when you compare it with Jesus Christ who said I suffered for you I paid the price for you and if you would live a repentant life a life that says Jesus I'm I'm guilty I can't earn a better life. I, you already paid for my life in the next life. You already paid the price for my sin. You did it for me. I want to turn from my sin. 
I want to repent from having my truth supersede your truth. I want to embrace your truth. You see, if you're living for the next life, the best thing to do is to live a repentant life today. Not a perfect life, but a life that says, God, I, I, want, you to, I want your blood to count for me. I want your spirit to fill me. And I want to live a life that you're constantly changing me and making me more like you. Let me ask you, what truth are you living by? What truth are you living by? And is your truth worth risking eternity for? Is your truth worth it? Is the truth that you believe that is outside of God's, God's word, is it worth risking eternity for? For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, that whoever believes, whoever trusts, whoever lives as Jesus called us to live, to live a repentant life, will have eternal life. Where are you today? Would you say, you know what, Steve, I, I need to turn around. I need to turn around. Some of you may say, you know what, during these last 12 months, I've gotten distant from God. I, I just, it's just been hard. I've been away, and maybe you're back today for the first time, and you're thinking, man, I, I need to, I've kind of bought into the world's truth. I need to embrace God's truth. I need to turn around. But some of you might say, you know, Steve, honestly, I've never repented before the Lord and asked Him to save me. I've never taken that step. You may think, you know, it seems really simple to make such a big difference that if I just repent that I could, I could have heaven. Listen, you can't get to the beach going west on Lenten Boulevard. It's a simple thing, but it's what is required. Would today be the day? And maybe you think, maybe I've done this in the past, but I'm really not sure. Listen, today's your day. Jesus, I, I repent of my sin. I want your blood to count for my sin. I want to know the joy of being forgiven because that's what's the message of your life. Today you can do that. And Resurrection Sunday can be your Resurrection Sunday when you can be confident that if you died today and you stood before the Lord and he asked you, why should I let you into my kingdom? You say, because Jesus died for me. Would you bow with me? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out